What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Glenn, what are you doing? I'm enjoying a delicious treat from Bright's Bites. The dog training treats? The same. I've heard that Bright's Bites are not just healthy and nutritious for dogs, but they're so delicious, they're actually a very motivational form of training. They are indeed. We've tested and tried them on site, and they work just great. Well, how did you get a hold of those? Did you purchase them off of a website? I went to dogsquadcanineservices.com.au. That's where people should go to get themselves some Bright's Bites, healthy, nutritious, but also highly motivational dog training treats. Get them in your dog, y'all. Hey, Glenn. Yes. I figured out why Jason has a website. Why is that? He's not exactly the easiest bloke to talk to. Well, let's try that. Hello. Can I speak to uh, Jason Buffhead Furman, please? Uh, what are you doing, you? Well, you heard it here, folks. That's the kind of treatment you'll get if you actually dial Jason from Mindrick Dog Clip. So what you need to do if you want any leashes, tugs, harnesses, balls, reward toys, canine fitness and conditioning equipment, Herm Springer things, anything like that, head to EinswickDogQuip.com. That's E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com because you do not want to have to talk to this guy. <laughs> Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Hi, we're back in our studio. We are, we're here. Yeah. It's just us. Just us today. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good thing. I tell you what, it's been fantastic, the lineup of people that we've yeah. had on recently, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's been cool to have kind of a surplus of episodes. Yeah. Uh, it's the first time ever, really, that we've had a couple in the bank. That we haven't just winged it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, normally we record on like a Tuesday and, and it goes out on a Thursday. And if we miss, like with both of us working weird schedules and traveling heaps, if we miss a recording, then there's nothing that goes out. So. I know. I have to call new Pat in, which is Birdie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's on standby for, cause I leave again tomorrow. Yeah. And she's on standby. By and the time you're hearing um, this, I'm probably already long gone. Yeah. Well, unfortunately I missed having her on the hundredth episode because she was so sick. Mm. Yeah. She just had a a day where she wasn't feeling well and we couldn't get her into the studio to record. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the wrap up day, which was a shame. Yeah. Mm. So truth be told, we're recording this before that hundredth episode. So let's not talk about it because I don't, I haven't heard it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Other than the one interview that I was there for in the intro. Yeah, well, explaining that away was that the only reason you weren't there is because I can only get you here like one or two days a week. It's almost impossible for us to try and get other people around the world and both of us in the room together. And a three-way Skype call is a disaster. It's a disaster and it it sounds terrible. I mean, I did one with uh, Jerry Bradshaw and, you know, the sound quality was a little bit touch and go there, but Mm. you can still hear what he says and so forth, which is pretty good. 
Yeah. It's cool. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it, and but by, by the time, yeah, well, it'll be new to you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're over in the states, you'll be able to listen to the episode. Yeah, get it out so I can listen to well, it. I am. I'm releasing it this week. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. So, well, but all this is past tense because it's-, it's all past tense. <laughs> yeah. So we're <laughs> how confusing. We're, we're going back. It's like Back to the Future. We're yeah. we're Marty and Doc. We're going all over the place. Yeah, we are jumping all over the place. Yeah, which is awesome. So I think something we've got to talk about is we've released two- Two giant killers. Yeah, two big episodes mm. that had had a lot of feedback. Yeah, so why don't we start at the start with uh, Dr. Ian Dunbar? Yeah. So I feel like we kind of forewarned everybody how that was going to go. We did mm. speak about it at the ISCP wrap-up yep. uh, podcast that we did. Yeah, we did. And I think it's important to point out, like uh, overwhelmingly the majority of the feedback that we got uh, from people was that it was a good conversation. Yep. And not necessarily uh, inspired by some of the content of it, but uh, was a good conversation. And, and that's what it was. Mm. I think we, we've had sort of a few times of explaining this to people. So we're fairly well rehearsed at it in that it's a difference between, it was not a debate. We didn't invite him to come and we didn't consent to a debate. We didn't invite him into Ooh, the consent. room. Yeah. Fancy that. Well, we didn't invite him into the room to be debated. He was there to be interviewed and asked about his techniques and his journey in developing them. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, like I, I'm sure it was aware, like I have a tremendous respect for the man in regards to the things that he has. There was a time where he was the avant-garde of pet dog training. Yep. There was a time where that was the case. And, yeah. and and I have a tremendous respect for the man in that. And it's not to say that I believe in or I agree with everything that he said, but mm. it wasn't the time or the place to pick apart holes in that because I think overwhelmingly I agree with what he says. And that one of the interesting things, what he, he explains it a little bit differently to me, but I did listen back to it. I don't listen to all of them, but I did listen back to that one. And there was a large section about how he uses a dog's different names for competition name and his in the house name and the, you know, how yeah, much do I, I have nicknames for my dog yeah, in the house and, and I have the real name when I'm on the competition. That's field. right. And yeah. so we've spoken about that here and like from him is where I learned that mm. when I was interested in like studying his stuff when I first got into dog training and I, I de- like, you know, I consumed all the media that he has and that for me is such a huge piece in making my dog livable. That's yep. why my dog Remco hits the field and my dog Remy chills out in the house, mm. right? And it's because I have a very clear delineation and I've taken it a few steps further and I have other cues that, you know, he didn't explain or, or maybe he uses, I don't know, but um, for me, that was where it's at. So I think there's, I have a huge respect for the guy and you got to remember like where a lot of the, you, you've got to remember where the source of your information comes from and, 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 you know, pay homage to that every now and again, even if there's yep. many things we don't agree with. Yeah. Um, and so what was interesting online is most people were like, Oh yeah, interesting conversation. Good to know more about him. You know, interest, some interesting, some really good relevant stuff and some stuff I don't agree with because most people, most people listening to us probably are more on the balanced side of the spectrum. But I found from the conversation with him, the language he uses is not necessarily the language we would use but the techniques in principle and in theory mm. are very similar. Like he's, he's way more towards a balanced trainer than the, especially if you want to consider just a normal, like a very centrist balanced trainer, right? Yep. And extremist positive only trainer. Mm. He's way closer to that, that balanced trainer than he is that positive trainer. Well, he's been turned on by the positive only trainers. Yeah. Like they have actually banned him from doing seminars. Certain events, yeah. Yeah, which he made a very good point about it, which he did allude to certain times that many people over continents and during periods of his 
term in dog training have cherry picked his information. Yeah. Like they've chosen to find the seed of the argument in a short piece of what he's written before. And that happens quite frequently in a lot of what people are doing is that if they want something, and I, I've said this on this podcast so many times now, if you go searching for ugly, you'll find it. Yeah. That happens to all of us. Like if somebody wants to find something bad against you, if they want to find it, it they do it in presidential elections all the time. If they want to go and find the dirt, they'll dig up something from, you know, 30 years ago and they'll broadcast this and say, hey, look at this pervert. They said this on TV yeah. or this person did this or this, this person did this. They want to show the worst case scenario of you yeah. and paint their picture and their rendition of who you are. Mm -hmm. And you made a very salient point of, of saying that at one point in his career, he was a highlight. Mm. You know, and, and the man knows he's at the end of his career. He knows that, you know, he's reached retirement age, that- you know, he's pretty much at the point where he's done. He's not going to do seminars anymore, really. He's he's at the wind-up stage of his life. You know, he's still got content that he wants to do and, and still play an active part while he can. But not everybody's for everybody. Yeah. And that, I guess that's what I've been trying to say while I've been waffling on is that not everyone's for everyone. Yeah. And the other point, too, in the conversation that we had with him, it wouldn't matter what way we went with the conversation, we'd still get our critiques either way. Yeah. So if we attacked him on certain subjects, we get people say, oh, that was very unpolite of you to say to Dr. Ian Dunbar. And if we didn't do that, which we didn't do, people would say, oh, why didn't you attack him on certain topics? Yeah. So you'd kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But the reality is, is that you and I got to know that guy over a period of time. Yeah. We actually like him as a person. He's fun. He's fun to hang out with. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to take Dr. Ian Dunbar when I first met him. Yeah. You know, like I was kind of worried that, we were going to have, like when he was at the conference and I was I was sitting down with a lady playing with her dog and he came over, I thought, mm, I don't know if I really want to have a conversation with him right now because this could end in a debate that I didn't want to have. So I kind of got up and walked away and went over to hang out with Josh for a period of time. And I thought to myself, mm, that was a jerk move. Mm. You know, like he's come all this way. He's in the lion's den. He's come over to a conference of balanced trainers and, you know, like he's hanging out there. So I went back over and introduced myself and said hello to him because I thought that was a shit thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been tracking it sort of online and even now the debates still continue in, in lots of forums. There's there's numerous threads in our own yep. where people are commenting and there's there's others sort of around the interwebs that I, I've been sort of not keeping an eye on but have noticed. Yep. And mostly people are like, they can talk about people are really good, people are really respectful and I think it's, it's, it's important to recognise He's very successful in what he does. That what his training techniques, like it or hate it, is successful in the type of training and the type of dogs that he trained. Exactly. And exactly. We all have our niche in the market. Yeah. And mm. that's exactly it. We mm. we so what I talk about, I talk with authority about how to train a dog, but yep. I know the type of dog that I like and I talk with authority about how to train a dog to be like that. That's right. Right? Um, so it's important to keep that in mind. Like it, 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 Things aren't always in Not absolutes. everybody knows everything about everything. Yeah. And I think one of, the, one of the things that I was really, the only comment that I've seen online that I was a bit disappointed to read was someone comparing things that he said to us to things that he said in the 80s. And yep. I was like, mate. When we yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah when, that's when, a good point. When we first started this podcast, I'm sure that if you, I'm, I'm sure I would have said it out loud. If you go back to the start, I was quite stressed about the idea of being on record giving my opinions because I change my opinions all the fucking time, mm. right? And if I'm confronted with new information 
or I have a new experience that wants the that shapes and molds my opinion, I reserve the right to change that. And to say that someone is like, oh, he's he's a contradiction because in the eighties he said one thing and now he says another. Mm. Well, fucking no shit, right? Because in light of if he di- if he was saying the same thing for all that time in the face of new information, then we would say, okay, this guy's a problem. But yep. he's not. He's changed his mind. And that is a, the case of everybody. You can find magazine articles printed in the 90s where Bart Bellin, who I've made the case on here is probably the world's best dog trainer, says that training with food is for sissies. And mm. now he teaches a school that is yep. like training with food is the cornerstone of the program, mm. right? So people reserve the right to change their mind. And if they don't, then that's a bigger problem than a person that does. Exactly. And- I had fun with him. <laughs> yeah, he was, was he was cool. hysterical. Yeah. Like he's a very cavalier and very charis- He's a showman. He's, he's a, a showman. Sure yeah. A showman. Yeah. yeah, he's he's very charismatic. He's got a he's got a very big personality, but he's actually a kind person at heart. Yeah, I enjoy. You know, that. like hanging out with him and getting drunk with him is actually quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, got lots of fun stories and you know, like he makes an effort to go and fit into any group that he's with. Yeah. Like he's very adaptable. Yeah, he's and that's good. that's the one thing. And I know for a fact, because he's told you and I, that he was a little nervous about being there. Yeah, yeah. But but he came over there at the bequest of an old friend who subsequently passed away yeah. prior to him being there, which is terribly sad as well. Yeah. You know? So I mean, he was mourning the loss of an old mate. And as I said before, he was in the lion's den basically. Mm. And he made a, a real massive effort to make sure he, f- he fit in and didn't ruin anyone's day. Yeah. So that speaks volumes about a person as well. Yeah. Because um, he could have just said, fuck it, I'm not coming over. You yeah, know, yeah. And just pulled the pin on the whole event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. So anyway, lots of feedback on that episode. And then just recently you dropped the Dr. Roger Branty's episode. Yes. And everybody got to hear you giggle like a, a 14-year-old girl. I just want to explain something <laughs> to people, right? <laughs> Just to paint the picture, for Glenn to get to interview Dr. Roger Brantes and then subsequently, you know, have long conversations with him, and I know you guys have been texting ever since and yep. whatever. Yeah, right? we're basically best friends. Yeah, right. Yep. That is something akin to sending a 14-year-old girl to pick up Justin Bieber from the airport. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> <Right>? it was. Yeah. <laughs> because he is the leading expert in a topic that you have devoted a large portion of your life also to become Something that I deal with on a regular basis. Like, yeah. you know, no matter what, even if I wanted to, I can't avoid it. Yeah. As I've said here before, I've got anywhere between 80 and 220 dogs in my backyard every single day. So the reality is, is, if I, even if I didn't want to, I cannot help but deal with aggressive dogs because mm-hmm. we take dogs of all caliber in and I am the guy who has to deal with these dogs at night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's very important for me to be acutely aware of this subject and be able to handle it and manage it. And I see people regularly during the week who have come to me for aggression. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't broadcast it a lot because some people are very ashamed of the behavior that their dog is doing. Some people are open with it and they're okay with me taking photo and video and so forth, but some people are not. So to have somebody from a perspective of of ethologies who's basically written the diagram of how it all pieces together, I mean, I cannot tell – well, you you know, but I cannot tell you for the people out there how exciting that was to actually be in the presence of somebody I consider a great human being Mm. and such a lovely, humble man as well. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. He was a really nice guy and he – and that didn't end there, you know, like even my conversations with him online have been progressive and, and very friendly and he's so amicable to discussing things, you know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, in that episode, you can hear me have my mind blown. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I've since come to terms with that. I, I basically ran away and went and sat in my room after that. And yeah, it was a bit of a slap in the face, wasn't it? Yeah. Which was good. Yeah. It's, and you need those things because well, there are awakenings. The thing is, because a lot of people have been asking sort of what have I changed about that? And the truth is I have not changed anything other than the language that I use yeah. because the process that I it's use the same. works and mm. is the same, but it's the language. And, yeah. and I'm really happy that I have that on board. Again, that's an episode that I have listened to a couple of times to mm. really try and digest and, and get it all in. We're so lucky that loads of people probably had a conversation with him at, at conference, but we got to record it in a way that now we can go back and listen to again and again and again and really, you know, it, interrogate his answers and and get to understand it because it was a, yeah, I think that was our third podcast for the day yep. towards the end of the conference. So like my brain was pretty well worked out. Yeah. And so it's been really good, very fortunate that we can go back and listen to that and other people can as well. Yeah, because they're those little pearls that if you're at conference and you're sort of recording and you fail to write it down, it, it's lost forever. Yeah. But now, you know, it's in uh, audible media, so we can listen to it at our leisure anytime. And so can you, which yeah. is, a, a, is a wonderful thing. So, you know, and that was a good bomb drop because it was a confusion rate. It's been a confusion point for most people. Yeah. Because I was taught incorrectly and I, and I was using incorrect term as well. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the big thing was that I always say that all aggression is, is generated through fear. Yeah. Mm. And I guess what I am now saying is that the fear and aggression are generated through like an anxiety or an uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so that's now my key. That's the emotion. Yep. An anxiety or an uncertainty. Yeah. Right. And then the display, the behavior yep. is fear or the behavior is, is aggression. aggression. It's one or the other. Yeah. yeah. It's and a so, mindset that has to be complete well, in one or the other. Well, that's right. So now I'm no longer saying that fear to me, what I'm the language I'm now using is that fear is not a mindset, it's a behavior. Yeah. Right. And and same as aggression is not a mindset, it's a behavior. And it's a it's a response to an uncertain or uh, anxiety causing stimulus. Mm. Right. And I maybe need a better word than uncertain or anxiety, but I'm I'm working on that, right? Yeah. Well, they're both feelings. Yeah, but so they're the emotional state. Yeah, but the fear or and the aggression are yep. the behaviours that come from that emotional state. And I talk about quite a bit that that's why I had that logo design that you know negative reinforcement and positive punishment spin on the same axis, and at some point one can become the other, and and they they they're fluid in in their use, right? Yep. And to the observer, you may not. An observer may not be able to accurately determine which one of those quadrants the trainer is using. Mm. Only the trainer has an influence on what he's doing in the dog. How the dog perceives it is the real, the real thing. Yep. And I think that fear and aggression now is how I'm sort of uh, coming to understand those two things to be. Uh, and, and I, you know, had a conversation with Jay about this because he, I consider him a real expert in in this as well. And mm. that it's. Fear and aggression are the two behaviors that spin around on the same axis of uncertainty and anxiety. Yep. And and you can easily pop between one or the other, but they are themselves not a mind state. They are an action mm. and they are an action brought on by a similar mind state. That's my new language. And if, and if Dr. Brantes is listening to this and he thinks I'm wrong, then please reach out and correct me again. But that's the language I'm using. And I think that I'm getting better success with that. I actually got quite upset listening to the podcast because I, I finally, he dropped one word that made sense to why some people uh, authorize the use and that euthanasia of dogs because they don't want to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And it was when he talked about like aggression being necessary and um, just an, 
everyday normal part of a healthy organism. Yep. And then I, I had kind of a, it actually made me quite upset when I realized that is, it is that line. That is what a lot of people who then advocate for like death before discomfort style euthanasia is what they hang their hat on. And Mm -hmm. then they just say, well, that organism is not healthy. Yeah. It's a lazy cop out. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's like, as we've discussed here, a lot of the time, you know, aggressive, aggressive behavior, uh, it all behavior leads to some sort of outcome. Behavior is outcome driven. It always is. It's part of the operant cycle. Yeah. You do it to get something you want or to avoid something you don't. Mm. And so it's really manageable. You can control these things, right? And and aggression is one of the more difficult and complex things to control and understanding reinforces. I was really glad to hear him talk about how just shoveling a dog's face full of food is not going to be helpful in reinforcing aggression. It's managing the actual reinforcer, like the existential reinforcer of distance and that sort of thing, yeah. right? And I was really happy to hear all that, but for people who then sort of get locked in the cycle of like, oh, that dog's aggressive, we have to put it down because I'm unwilling to reinforce it, positive and negative reinforcement, punish it for the displays of aggression, positive and negative punishment, in order to make it no longer display that. And it it really upset me quite a bit. I don't know if I'm sort of explaining my position as well as maybe I could, but I was like, oh, these fucking people that just are then like, oh, that dog can't be helped because it's it's a aggressive, it's unhealthy aggression. That's like there's no trigger. It's mm. like, no, you don't understand the trigger. That's the problem is that all they're demonstrating is their limitation of knowledge. Yeah. And that that's been my issue with a lot of people. And it's hard to it's hard to not feel such public outrage towards that because yeah. especially when I'm dealing with clients and trying to maintain an air of professionalism is not lose my shit in front of them yeah. and <clears throat> basically blow them out of the water and say this person is just a lazy piece of shit <laughs> who's never bothered to find out the other side of the argument. All they've done is discussed how they understand it and how they interpret it, yeah. which is this is all I know, so do that. Yeah. And the reality is, we had this chat with NDTF just recently where I said, the reality is that millions of dogs have died by that advice. Not tens or hundreds or thousands, but millions. Yeah. Millions of dogs around the world will continue to die by that advice alone. Yeah. And it's simply that they'll just say, oh, go and medicate your dog or go and euthanize the dog. Yeah. It's just because they're saying, that's what I know. That's my go-to. Yeah. Or that's my, that's my vocation. And I won't change my mind. Yeah. And I think part of what he said, and, you know, I've listened to it. I had the conversation. I've listened to it twice. Yeah. I'll probably listen a couple of more times because I think part of what he was talking about, it is the, like he used the word dominance, right? Dominance and submission. And, Mm. and I've heard on other podcasts and, and especially in the force free community, it doesn't exist. Well, those are swear words, right? And they don't, they won't use those words. They Mm. are words that they, they skirt around and they talk about, they use the definition of them without using the word. They talk about, oh, that's not dominance. That's just a dog who like wants that resource and, and is prepared to fight over that resource. I'm like, well, <laughs> What's that, that? that is fucking the definition of dominance. And I think that it's really important you understand that. And my early imprinting in dog training from like earliest mentors and Sam, like who taught me a lot of from the right from the start is like, we wanted dominant dogs. We wanted possessive dominant dogs. Of course. And so like how to cultivate it. And it's what I talk about in the like aggression stuff, when you know how to make a dog aggressive, you can then understand how like the process of avoiding him becoming aggressive or making him no longer aggressive if someone else has caused that. And in my honest, like I have two dogs and 
that live together in total harmony, right? Mm. But they're constantly playing a game of dominance and submission with each, and it's not a game; it's it, it is life to them. Yeah, of dominance it, and submission, and it, it's very it's desire. Yeah, that's it's, right. It, it's who has the strongest desire for something at the time. That's right, and mm. like there are. Like I say, in the house, there are things that, like Valerie, my Springer Spaniel, is extremely dominant over my Malinois because mm. there's things that she cares about really deeply right. and he doesn't. Yep. And so there are times where she says to him, like, no, this is, you can't have this, it's mine, and I'm prepared to fight over it, Yep. right? And their relationship is taking a turn. She's raised a lot of puppies. She knows that she has, especially Malinois, she knows, like, I have a window to get in this dog's head and, like, while it's a puppy and let it know that, I am willing to and can hurt it, right? <laughs> now, that becomes the willing to stays forever, but can goes away, right, With by the time they're sort of six, seven, eight months, right? So, but he is still, like, he respects her position over when she says, I want this, and yep. she she is possessive of me. Yep. Like, she doesn't like, now, we can, we can all hang out together, but if me and her are sitting on the couch together and I'm patting her and he comes over, she displays dominance to him and tells him, don't do this. I, this is something I'm prepared to fight over. Yep. And I think that where a lot of people go wrong is they don't understand that that's dominance and they like, they then go, well, oh, that's like, it's fear or whatever. And they make, mm. or, or that dog's not right in the head or whatever. And they don't but, cultivate it properly. Well, they have a perfect relationship. I don't impose, I don't get involved in that shit. She has told him at this time, I'm I'm willing to fight over this. So don't don't press me. And he learns, oh, okay, I respect that. As long as it has the de- as long as it has the desired response though, that's fine. Like it's when it doesn't have the desired response and you've got two titans that just want to go yeah, at that, it and that's won't right. stop. And that's that's when saying, it becomes a problem. That's right. And so that's why I caveat all that by explaining. Yeah. Like he learned this language from her as a baby yeah. when he did not have the physical power to to cause any damage that's to anybody. That's the best time. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's imprinted and so, early and well. It's yeah. established mindset and behavior. That's right. So mm. she will be sitting on the couch with me yeah. and it's as subtle as she stares at him mm. and he goes, oh, okay. That, like that, what? I you've, know what's going to happen next. You've told me this is this going. And a lot of people who have observed this with me then go, oh, how come you allow that to happen? And I'm like, because allowing that to happen just stop the fight. Mm. Like that that keeps her safe because if they ever do fight, and I, you know, touch wood that that never happens, but they live together in total harmony, he will fucking kill her. Yeah, of course. He could bite her in half. Yeah. Uh, and that's the danger of big dog, little dog syndromes. Yeah, mm. but that's why they or have- relationships. They say. have a language. And so the dominance and submission that they display to each other is a language mm. that is super important. And that's why until it gets to the point where it becomes dangerous, I don't intervene. I let mm. them do that to each other. And so it's like toys, like dog toys. He says to her, like, this is something I'm willing to fight and die for yep. because I've been, I don't know why, but I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Right. It's his um, treasure. That's right. Yeah, and, it's, his, and, it's his million dollars. And so she doesn't fuck with him. Mm. She respects that and says, okay, well, that's not a battle that's worth fighting because, and the battle need never happen mm. because he postures in a way where she goes, okay, like I respect that you you want that, you need it. You've displayed dominance, right? Uh, in your possession of that, your willingness to fight for it. I don't have the same desire for it. So it's yours. Congratulations. Mm. You're the winner. And the- their relationship, if you were to say, like, who is dominant over the, like, who's dominant, Remy or Val, I'd say, where are we? What's present, right? Because are we in the house and there's no toys around and I'm the resource? Well, then she's dominant. She yep. she controls, she she decides his access to me. And mm. are we in the park and I've got a ball? Well, he's dominant. He wouldn't, she wouldn't dream of, 
it, trying to interfere with that. Yep. She goes and does her own thing. Because she knows what the stakes are and so does he and vice versa. That's right. Mm. And and I feel like knowing those two things and especially after having talked to Dr. Brenties about this, like if you have not sort of really digested a lot of what he said, go back and re-listen to it because it, it's really important to understand that that is really, that's what keeps them safe. Yep. Their dominance and submission and their clear displays with each other is why they get to live in beautiful harmony together because they understand it. Well, for me, that wasn't a pearl because I felt that and knew that anyway. What was the pearl was the fear and aggression descriptor. Yeah. That for me was amazing. Yeah. And I like that would have been worth paying for, Mm -hmm. but we got it for free. (laughs) (laughs) So just, um, just going back on that point too, like when you're talking about the dominant submission thing, this is a conversation I have with groups of people when we are talking about this. It doesn't matter whether I'm doing NDTF or it doesn't matter whether I'm doing a consult. I can sit down with a group of people, civilized people, and I'll say to them, we're all civilized, right? There's no reason for us to be aggressive towards each other, right? Or show any dominant behavior towards each other. And everyone agrees. They say, yeah, that's right. I said, nobody has really marched around here or demanded anything or, you know, possessed anything. And I said, but if I dropped 10 million bucks in the room and said, winner takes all, there'd be savagery taking place because somebody would believe, well, that's going to make my life much better. I said, you might get somebody who will bow out and say, look, I don't stand a chance and they'd run for their life knowing that a bloodbath was going to entail. And I said, but other people in that room would believe, yeah, I've got a shot at this yeah. and I'm going to take it. Uh, you know, not just some of it, all of it, because that's how that's how situations pan out. Yeah. You know, you change the resource, you make it valuable enough. And if somebody believes they have a right to it, they will try and take it. And it's, you know, that's been evident in human history all through our life. That's been evident on National Geographic whenever you watch it. You can't watch a National Geographic of animals interacting with each other and see that, you know, if one believes it has right to a resource over another one, yeah. it will momentarily stop eating the carcass and go and attack one of its mates in the litter until it's done. Once it's gorged, it will walk away and then the other one will come over and feed. Yeah. Because they be- he believes, I'm stronger, I'm more powerful, I'm going to eat first, I'm going to eat what I want first, and then you can have what I'm done with. Yeah. Well, they do that. It's a cost-benefit analysis. Of course, regularly. Like- Regularly, without our intervention. Yeah. It's not even a human intervention. We don't have to do anything about it. We have no fucking say in it. It's been done since animals and creatures have been crawling this earth. Yeah. We don't have to interject all the time. We just have to accept that that's the reality. Yeah. And that's why I am like you. I I hate the fact that people are so confused over it and still tiptoe around the subject like it's some fucking poisonous dart. Yeah. It's just a reality. Like, see, here's the thing, and this is my theory. And I've probably voiced this before, but it's worth saying. I believe people don't want it to be fact, so they don't have to deal with it through balanced training techniques. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that, that's my that's my inner feeling. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not alone in thinking that. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of people around the world who share that that opinion. And I just think to myself, why do we have to keep butting heads on such an important thing? Why can't we just say, look, I understand it, but I'm still not the sort of person who likes using certain training vocations yeah okay fair enough i'm not prepared to do that i'm not prepared to that's exactly right i'm not prepared to do that and you know that's one conversation that we did have with ian dunbar about uh using remote trainers yeah is he said if you know how to train the dog and you use it fair enough and he did say that and i said i respect you for that but he said i wouldn't use it yeah i don't have a need for it in the in the training technique that i use yeah okay the type of dogs and the type of dogs that he trains as well yeah but he did say, 
if your dog understands what training is and you use one and you're getting results, well, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Words to that effect. On that topic, so of the dominant submission and aggressive and fear, this is kind of where I was going with when I got upset about listening to him is Mm. that this is a case that I've seen more times than I can remember. I remember the first time I saw this and kind of solved the puzzle and it was, fuck, a long time ago. And But I've seen it many times since is where there's a, a strong, mentally strong dog in the home, right? And there's a weak dog in the home and the owners, the pet parents prefer the weak dog. Yeah. And so what happens is that Squeaky dog- Squeaky wheel gets the oil. Well, so that dog constantly shows- Submissive behaviors. Mm. The stronger dog shows dominant behaviors. Yep. And the pet parents, I'm using that term, uh, intervene between that too much and yep. they show favoritism to the weak dog. Yep. And then what ends up happening is the dominance that the, the strong dog is showing is no longer effective. His, do- his display- well, his, It's unresolved. Yeah. Well, so his display mm. of like, I am prepared to hurt you if you take my things- mm. Like, you know, this is my bed or these are my toys, whatever. And if you take them, then I will hurt you. What happens is the people don't like that that's happening and they encourage the weak dog to not respect the the dominant behaviors of the strong dog. Yep. And they put that strong dog in a position where he says, well, now I'm left with no choice but mm-hmm. to use aggression, right? And I'm not going to fear because I'm not fucking, I'm not scared of you, mm. right? you've put me in a position where now we're fighting and I will crush you because you're weak and I'm strong. And then because then there's a fight and the weak dog gets his ass kicked, the people then pamper him more and more and more. The dominant dog who displayed aggression and displayed dominance, displayed aggression, I'm trying to use the right language, Mm. right? He gets punished. Yep. And the other dog gets pampered and because he now has tubes and whatever hanging out of him, he gets to live inside. His life gets better. And so- the inevitable end is euthanasia for the strong dog. And because people then don't respect that he's correct. He's the one, like he's the, he's the better entity and you have made him feel weak. And he's not like a person that's just going to go, Oh, well you can't rationalize with him and explain to him like, this is because we, this is because we live in a society that has convinced us that weak pieces of shit are the ones that we should, (laughs) we should bring up. Right. Like he, his brain is from a time of the, the strong survive, mm. right? And so that results in – now, if you can't identify that and if you say dominance doesn't exist, right, and if you say dominance doesn't exist and all aggression is fear-based and now we can't find the trigger because we're not prepared to see it, it's that this other weak dog just keeps getting nailed by the strong dog and we can't understand it's because he's being shown preferential treatment over the strong dog, mm. right? And we're totally unprepared to punish that strong dog for showing aggressive behavior. Yep. We then have no choice but to – we've talked ourselves into a logic trap at that point where we then have no choice to, but to say that he's unstable yep. or that he has like rage syndrome or mm. whatever, whatever you want to throw Manifestation. Yeah, whatever mm. you want to throw – what label you want to put on him that we say it's unfixable because it's not unfixable. There's clear triggers that could bring it on, but you don't see them because yep. you're too busy coddling the weak dog, right? And there are clear methods to fixing that, but you're not prepared to do them. Well, so you're, then, you're actually inflaming them as well because exactly. it's unresolved resent. Exactly. And it just – it compounds worse over a period of time where it became from a problem-solving 
solution to a hatred, a yeah. deep-seated hatred for each other. Yeah. You know, and you've, you've actually created worse. That's where that, that meme, hard pills to swallow, comes in, into yeah. it. Because we're in a position where we feel deep love and we believe that our intervention is best at that point in time. Human beings have this convoluted way of looking at things at, over periods of time and, you know, they'll – reinforce their beliefs by getting onto social media and talking to their friends who are equally as uninformed as they are. And I'm not having a dig at people because, you know, I've been part of that circus as well, where I've gone seeking advice from people who have no place giving me that advice. They're not authorities in that field at all, but they're speaking from an emotive standpoint where they'll say, oh yeah, that's the right thing to do because I feel that that's the right thing to do rather than, no, it's not the right thing to do. What you've done is unhinged the balance that could have resolved itself early on the piece. Now you've created a long-term issue for yourself. Yeah, that's right. And, mm. and just to sort of you know wrap up what I was saying, usually if the dogs are left, and as Dr. Brandy said, healthy dogs will identify you know, this is why most people who uh, have no idea what they're doing with dogs have three dogs in their house that get along fine. Yep. And as dog trainers, we have this overwhelming bias because we see the problem cases. But the truth is an overwhelming percentage of dog people have no issues with their multi-dog household. They yeah. just, the dogs just and get along neither fine. do daycare centres. That's right, because the uh, dogs- Boarding are, kennels. Where, I mean, we're a social boarding kennel where we've got two or three dogs staying with each other yep. and touch wood. Rarely ever a fight. Yeah. And you know, so they happen, there are tell offs, but they're tell offs. Yeah, that's right. And they're, so, but what happens is normally in a healthy relationship, one of the dogs pushes the buttons of the other one and he says, Hey, I'm prepared to fight over this. And the other dog says, I'm not. Yep. It's over. Dominance and, it, and, and it, submission. Yeah, yep. exactly. In classic case. And it just happens and it's quite organic. We don't uh, observe And it's okay. It's yeah. actually okay. And with no intervention, it, it never becomes a problem. Mm. It's when there's, there's two ways that it, it really does become a problem is when there's an intervention that doesn't allow the, the issue to be resolved between the two dogs. So now one, like one dog showed, Hey, I'm, I'm dominant over this. I'm prepared to fight for it. And then the other dogs, before his beating happens, which would be a growl or whatever, maybe a nip or a correction, as we would say, there's an intervention by the person. The other dog goes, well, that will intervention will continue to happen. And so it escalates and escalates and escalates. And when the person's not there, they have the, the fight happens. Or the other way that it really does organically become a problem is when they're two evenly matched dogs. And yeah. They're, yeah, that's, they really a good, that's, the, that's yeah. the other good point. And that's, that is the time for rehoming. Yes. Where you go, hey, yes. this isn't going to happen. And That's like, right. You know, one of the the few times where I've said to people, "Hey, you have two good dogs; they just can't live together." Right? Was two little Jack Russells that were yep. just perfectly matched, yep. and I was like, "These two little guys are gonna they're gonna fight it out." So until- separate or separate? Yeah, that's right. And mm. they, you know, what they did? They gave one to the neighbor, and now Perfect. it's fine. Problem and, solved. Yeah, and yep. so it's like these two little dogs are so perfectly matched. Yep. They both have the exact same, they're almost identical little dogs. And they'll just shred each other for life. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Neither is going to give up on the idea that the other is going to control his resources, so they will fight forever. That's the classic tit for tat. Yeah. Where you can't intervene at that situation because you're right, there's too much equal balance. Yeah. And they're thinking to himself, well, you got me today, but I'm going to get you tomorrow. Yeah. You know, once I feel better, I'm going to come back at you. And and you see, like, all these things are so easily observable in the human world and where people can describe what's happening. Like, that where I say people are the weaker dog is coddled, like, uh, I'm sure everybody listening has in their workplace seen some groveling piece of shit promoted above them and now he's your boss and you you actively do the opposite of what he says. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, like, 
Ninety percent of people listening, yeah, especially resent. if you've worked Unresolved in an office resent. environment, yeah, mm. you've seen someone who sucks up to the boss get shown preferential treatment that they did not deserve or earn, mm. and now they're your direct supervisor or whatever, and you intentionally be the worst employee that you can to that person because you you don't want to be given direction by them. That's the same thing that's happening in dogs. Good analogy. And, and the other is when you see two brothers. Like, here's the thing. My brother's 10 years older than me, right? Mm. So, me and my brother were not like two brothers that wrestled and tussled because when when I was five, he was 15. He could kick me through the fucking wall if he wanted to, yep. right? But when you see brothers who are a year apart, they just fight all the time. Yep. And it's because they're too evenly matched. So, yep. they're constantly like one wins, one loses, and, and that changes every day. Mm. If there was a constant winner and a constant loser, that fight would be over. In the same way, me and my brother never like wrestled and fought because he was like way more physically capable than me. He's 10 years older than me. Yeah. So- all these things, we can observe it. We can totally observe it in, in the human world and explain it and people can talk about, it. hey, how come you fight with your brother? Well, I kind of enjoy it, mm. for starters, but also there's a good chance that uh, if I take food off his plate, that there's nothing he can do about it. There's a good chance of that because half the time I win, it's worth me trying every time. We can talk that through, yep. but what we, it's just as observable in dogs, like exactly as observable, only the dog won't explain his position. And, mm. and for us, we just have to observe it. And really, as Dr. Brenty said, like fall back to the science, like these are facts. Stop putting your, your emotions and opinions and what you would like to be true. Yeah. Right. What That's you, the point, right? Fact. Yeah. That was one thing that really resonated well with me is the facts are the facts. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't argue with them. They're, that's right. They're, they're solidified. And your best position is to try very hard to understand them. Yeah. So that and the you, work working within them, working within them in, instead of against them. Yeah. These are the laws of nature. Yeah. Yeah. And like obey those laws and find a way to to get through to manage your lives, knowing that this is how it's going to be, and nothing you do can change that. Yep. <sighs> I did enjoy talking to him though. Like I just I was, enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good to sort of. Well, we got it's it's through. nice to nut it out so you actually come to the best form of understanding that you possibly can because otherwise we can just convince ourselves that we're right yeah. and keep walking the illusion all the time, which is dangerous. Yeah. And again, mate, to be totally honest, getting to sit down with you and have these conversations and sit down with other people and have these conversations, they test your metal. You mm. know, they actually find out what you do and don't know. Mm. And the, the wonderful thing about it, which I hope our audience finds the same thing as well, is that we get to critically think and analyze things from a different perspective rather than just walking that line of, oh, yeah, I know what I know. Yeah. Well, that's the problem is that when you only know what you know, then you don't know what you don't know. And you're giving semi-decent advice. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to know everything. That's the trap that people get into is they think, oh, I have to be an authority on everything. No, you don't. What you do have to do is if you choose to be an authority on a certain topic, what you should say to yourself is, well, perhaps it's best that I learn as much as I can about this one topic rather than try and be a jack of all trades and spread myself so thin across the whole spectrum. I'm a specialist in this field. My colleague is a specialist in that field and my other colleague is a specialist in that field. So if I don't know and I'm out of my depth, rather than give poor advice, I should say, hey, you know what? Pat's the specialist in that field. Mm. Go and see him, which I regularly do. If people ask me about Napopo, I just say, Pat's a guy. Go and speak to him. He's the authority in Napopo in Australia. So go talk to him. And if people ask me about they really want to get into deep level scent detection, I'll say Pat Nolan, Mike Suttle, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like if they really want to go balls to the wall in, in those areas. So there are people that we can constantly refer ourselves around to. 
we don't have to be so proud and say, no, no, I don't want to lose a client because ultimately you'll lose a client and you'll lose their respect as well, yeah. which is terrible. Yeah. I was having a moment of reflection the other day. We we're talking about people being good and bad at their job. Mm. Uh, Cause I was out uh, with, I was out drinking with some friends and one of them's a surgeon. Yeah. I was like, you don't do surgery tomorrow, do you? He's like, no, 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 no. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were sort of talking about, you know, everybody has bad days. Yep. And I made this joke. I was like, you know, you, you, if you're bad, if you have a bad day, you kill people. And I was like, if I have a bad day at work and it happens, like maybe dogs just don't get trained so good. Right. Yep. And I was like, it's a low, it's a low stakes environment. But then I, I was kind of reflecting on it afterwards. I was like, no, I do make life and death decisions over dogs. I've, mm. I've told people you have to put this dog down. Yep. I have said that. I was yeah, like, this dog likewise. is, this dog is not suitable for this earth. Yep. Now, like you need to put him down. And if I wasn't, and then I was like, oh shit, I hope I wasn't having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it is a life or death decision. And that's bad for the dog for sure. And don't get me wrong, I love dogs. But then I was thinking, fuck, how many other times have I said, oh, no, nah, this is a, there was a trigger for that and the dog's fine and we can train through this. And I've kept a, a psychopath in the home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you got to be on point all the time. And that's why I think you, we do, we, as dog trainers, I don't want to sort of overstate our position, but we do make life or death decisions. 100%. And, and I think that you've really got to, it behoves you then to make an informed decision. As you know, a caveat to that, one of the points that I do say, if I feel like I'm on the, on the line on it, I often suggest to the client to go and get a second opinion. Yeah. So if I'm looking at a dog and I'm reading it and I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I'm seeing what I need to see here, then, I mean, I'll ring you or Andrew Clark or someone and say, or just say to the client, here, take this person's number and go and see them because I have an opinion, but I'd like to see what they see as well. Yeah. On that, I think that's super important in any industry to mm-hmm. have a network of professionals that yep. uh, you can bounce ideas off of. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why, not just this, but it's, it's a facet of my personalities. I like to, even my closest competitors in the area, I like to stay very cordial with, and there's more work than anybody could do in dogs Absolutely. forever. So there's no point in being competitive with people, but I like then to be able to say, Hey, this is what I think I see. Yep. Can you have a look at this for me? Or, or there's lots of people who do this to me and there's, I did it to you just the other day. I mm. sent, send a video, forward a video from a client and say, what do you see? Yeah. I have an idea on what I see and I don't want to influence you. Tell yep. me what you see. Mm. And if you don't have a network of people that will just text you back honestly and without trying to influence you unduly, you're in trouble because yeah. then you you are you fucking flapping in the wind by yourself, man. You mm. got to have people you can bounce ideas off of. Yeah, that yeah, that's right. And I mean, you know, through professional jealousy, sometimes we often don't do things like that. Not, I mean, I've done that in the past. You know, just through professional jealousy because I'm thinking I don't want somebody to to pinch my client. Well, if you're a good enough person and you know your job well, you won't lose the client. They'll, like I said, you'll gain their respect and admiration yeah. that you actually gave a shit enough about them to go and reach out to somebody else. And I mean, doctors regularly do that with each other anyway. If they if they know they're out of their field, they'll say, you need to go and see a specialist. Yeah. My doctor said it to me before you and I went to Canada and the States. He said, yeah. you know, I was talking about something. He said, I don't think I can fix I had a, a, like a pain sensation I couldn't fix with him. And he said, I don't think I can fix this. Mm. You might need to go and see somebody else. And I thought I was a bit nervous about that because I thought, well, now he's upscaling me. But I thought to myself, well, that's probably a good thing that yeah. he's not just dancing around with something. It's out of his field. Yeah. Thankfully, it was nothing. It was benign. But, you know, it was all a bit scary at the time. But, I mean, these things happen to clients. Too, and we've got to understand this is that when we're, when we're looking at something, as you suggested, a life or death situation – where we're deciding the fate of the dog, 
perhaps sometime rather than being so fucking arrogant and saying to yourself, well, I'm just going to make that decision today, maybe say to them, look, last ditch effort, go and see my colleague, go and see if they see what I'm seeing at the moment. And if we're comparing apples with apples, then maybe we really need to talk about, you know, a a solution and, and come to terms with that. We're a bit all over the place in this podcast. We, uh, I guess that's what happened. We don't have a plan. But yeah. on that, I want to say something. We can it only doesn't matter. We're allowed to talk about what yeah, we want to talk right. about. We can only speak for you know the area that we're in and the what we see in dogs. But I feel like in the dog world, I just want nothing to do with anybody that has like a famine mindset because we are in abundance. There is more work. Yeah, we will be employed as dog trainers. We will be employed for fucking ever. Yeah, because the way that society is going, the the like people understand animals. It's getting worse. Yeah, people understand animals less and less. And if you've invested the time to understand them and be able to give advice on that, there is no shortage of work. Yeah, and I've travelled a fair bit recently. Right, you just should be cooperative with everybody because there is no shortage of work. No matter. No matter what fucking facet of dog training you're in, if you're in pet dogs, that you're in the biggest market there is, right? <laughs> Multi-billion dollar market, yeah, right? Absolutely. And it's getting and richer. So be cooperative. There's lots of money. There's lots of opportunity. It's, it's not going anywhere. Be, yeah. be, be, be good at what you do. Obviously, push as hard as you can to be as good as what you do. But be cooperative with your competitors because there is no shortage of work. There, you, you and I both train our competitors. Yeah, totally. You and I. I yeah. mean, I train people who start in the industry and you train people who are learning exactly the same training yeah, method yeah. you are. But there's We're, no shortage. But I don't care because, I mean, these people even refer work back to yeah. me. You know, like, and to you as well, you know, this is, and this is the great thing is that we develop a great network of like-minded people that are not damaging the industry, they're enhancing it. They're yeah, raising yeah. the ceiling. We're all doing a wonderful job together yeah. of going out there and teaching people how to fish. Yeah. And I, I'm often – I admire that mindset now in people because it's very damaging otherwise because all you do is spend more time trying to sabotage other people and ultimately yourself by not thinking of being holistic. Yeah. But even – like so certainly in the pet market, but you look at, say – like the working dog market, right? Mm. Find me a person. <laughs> it cracks me up that people like argue over this shit. Find me a person who has a high quality working dog in his kennel that he can't sell. Find me that fucking person because they don't exist. That's right. There's such a shortage of high quality working dogs that they are out the fucking door the minute that they're available. So there is no, there is no competition. Yeah, there's a bunch of they're, people looking for those dogs all the time. That's right. They're, yeah. they're, like people are traveling the world trying to find that fucking dog to, to put into service somewhere and mm. spending more and more money. It cracks me up when people are like trying to conceal from their competitors. Like, Help each other because you're only going to, like, there is no shortage. Sorry, there is no shortage of work. There is a gross shortage of highly trained or suitable dogs. Mm. That's what there's a gross shortage of. And so that ain't changing. (laughs) Like, and people who have that famine mindset, like, no, that's my contract. I can't let anybody else in on that contract. Well, do you have a surplus of dogs? Because where are they? (laughs) There is no, there is no fucking, find me a working dog kennel that has a kennel full of dogs ready to sell. And I'll fucking eat my hat because yep. the second they're ready, there's a buyer. Yep. There is a fucking buyer ready to go. So it just cracks me up that mm. people can be like, no, this is my special. Just stay away. It's my precious. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's my precious. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. Collaboration in this industry is something that we really need to develop a better mindset around. And I think the only real benefit that I've seen in, in getting older is developing better mindset and being a little bit more wise and a bit more patient with things mm. as opposed to, you know, 
irrationality in youth. And that was probably one of my greatest downfalls when I was younger is that I was competitive and, you know, that competition brings on a lot of jealousy. Mm. And then you become restrictive in your way of thinking and your network and the people that you connect with. So the great thing for me is I'm learning to be a a bit more patient person with people, Mm. um, listening without the intent of replying all the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a good skill to have. It is. It's a better skill to have as as a human being because- at least you're taking in perspective. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's always has to be right. You don't have to agree with the everybody's saying. You can agree to disagree with people. But at the same time, at least you can you can take it in. Take the point on board and saying, well, you know, that might work. That might actually work. And then you can be proud in the fact that you learned something that day. Yeah, for sure. Mm. All right. Hey, should we wrap up the podcast that's changed topics? It, it turned very times? philosophical, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just where my head's at at the moment. Yeah. That's good. It is a good thing. I'm like I said, and to repeat myself, I'm enjoying the fact that where we get to shoot the shit with some pretty amazing people. I think that's the most amazing thing about doing this podcast is it's the incredible. access to the people. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm gonna wrap it up. Got anything else to say? I love you, Dr. Brantes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm embracing my, my love yeah, for you. Yeah. It was You are funny. an amazing guy. Thank you very much. It was an honor and privilege for both of us. And and I'm sure our audience felt the same way. I'm really, I'm a better person for, for actually meeting you in person. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think for me, and I know we're wrapping up, but I think for me, the two of the people that I've had that have had the most impact on me. There's a third one as well, but the two people have had the most impact me that, that I've met is Stephen Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So I read his books and I met him and hung out with him for an entire week. And I've read Dr. Br- some of Dr. Brandy's books, not all of them, but I'm going to read all of them now because mm-hmm. I have to. Mm-hmm. And I've met him and I've just finished reading Behave from Sapolsky and I'd love to meet him. So, mm. Bobby, if you're out there and you want to hang Uncle out. Bobby P. Yeah. Uncle Bobby P. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Bobby. If you want to hang out and have beers and, you know, maybe you like pure blondes as well. I don't know. <laughs> what, hey, wouldn't. I tell you what, imagine going out for dinner with Stephen Lindsay, Robert Sapolsky, and Roger Brandes. I'd tell you, I'd tape my mouth shut so I didn't say anything. Same, same. Embarrass myself. Yeah, I'd just, I'd just sit there and probably, like, scream on the inside. Yeah. Mm. What's interesting to me with, like, obviously, Stephen Lindsay and Roger Brandes, they're, they're in the community. Mm. But I wonder if people like Uncle Bobby uh, <laughs> understand the impact that they've had on the dog training world. People like that they didn't have any intention. No of. intention. So, like, mm. you look at Robert Sapolsky's book, and yep. but also just that dopamine. Like, I've done whole videos talking. I've read the study. I've you know on dopamine jackpot, and that is really the the cornerstone of a lot of what I teach is how to what he came to understand and gave to us that knowledge is so critical and important in the way that I now teach people to train dogs and train my own dog. Mm. I wonder if he understands the impact that he's had on the dog training community because he's not in the dog training community, right? And I wonder then what other communities are so heavily impacted by that, it, like inadvertently. Well, Bill Gates was no reading idea. his book on his Netflix Inside Bill's Brain or whatever it's called. Mm. He's reading Sapolsky's book. Yeah. You can see him. Uh, he's sitting at his desk reading Behave. And I'm yeah. thinking, oh, we're friends. We're best friends. <laughs> I'm Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates is me. We are all one. <laughs> <laughs> we are of the earth together. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We just mind melded right then. Yeah. So I've got shares in Microsoft now. Bonus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, give me some. All right. Uh, that's it. That um, is the wrap up. I, yep. I don't know when you're going to release this. I don't know what order this is coming out. Maybe a couple um, of weeks. Yeah. So I'm either in America or I'm back. I don't know. Mm. Who knows? 
but yeah, that's it. Uh, Isn't that weird that they they'll be hearing your voice like that we're just speaking to them, but we don't know where. In, it's like where in the world is coming San Diego, or yeah. whatever it is. Well, it is odd because like we said at the start, it's normally yeah. come straight out, and mm. there's no delay. But we we're so we're so blessed currently to have what do you got four in the bank? I got plus about this about four or five. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So maybe I'll be back from the states with not even a glitch. You may not even miss me. Well, I'll miss you. <laughs> I'm talking to the listeners. Oh, okay. and I mean, miss me on the show, not miss me. Okay, gotcha. Just not be here, as in miss the way you miss other cars. As I enjoy you our little couch cuddle time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is descended into madness. That's it okay. for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that on Facebook. Do that on iTunes. Do that on Spotify. Do that wherever you like. Okay, mm. but but jump on doing that because it, it it actually makes an important glitch in the algorithm it tells people that you're actually listening it does the other one is if you want to support the show please do that via patreon really super excited about the patreon content that's coming out if you can believe it i'm already they're already loaded into patreon going to be released i know you've like been so ahead. passionate about getting your patreon content out yeah and well, doing a killer job of it yeah too, i'm really happy say. with that stuff and it's just yeah. stuff that i needed to get out of my brain on record i watched it I ahead thought, of time i thought yeah that they're gonna love that one yeah mm. and so that's loaded in and, yeah. and there's there's a couple of different ones loaded in for different tiers little teasers and bits and pieces and Very i'm nice. trying to figure out what i'm doing next but mm. that's months away yeah, and if you want to get a T-shirt, that really supports us. Jump onto Teespring. You can click through the links on our sites to get to that one. Yep. Uh, we've got some new ones in the works. We're going to have a, a new and exciting T-shirt design that will bring on some laughs, we think. Yep. So get ready for that. And if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is to shoot us an email. We are info at the canineparadigm.com and we presently have, uh, let me, 314 unread emails, even though we try our best to get through them. So, um, <laughs> so you're basically saying contact us, but, you know. But good luck. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. We, we're short on time and we use it the best we can. Yeah. Um, but honestly. Thank the other you way is the Canine part. Paradigm discussion group as well. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Is, yeah, is because it's live and we can see it. Yeah. And it's in the mix at that point in time. Yeah. I think the uh, one of the reasons a lot of emails go sort of unread and unanswered, if it's people asking specific questions, it's a, it's a big time investment to answer it to one person and just have one person see it. If you put in that group, a lot of people get to see it and then it's like, okay, well, then I'm not answering the same email 40 times. Yep. So anyway. That's that. Hit the music button, please, sir.